You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. The 2 Corinthians, please, chapter number 2, and then Acts chapter 26 as well. And uh, you probably saw it, sensed it, you already figured it out, but the, uh, the theme is not accidental, but it was on purpose. It's prayed about and it was planned even before we gathered here today. And every song that was sung drew our attention, drew our thinking, our mind toward one place, really toward one person. And you might not have realized this while, while it was going on, but you could see it while it was going on. It changed you and it changed me as we got our mind and then our heart focused on one thing, one place and one person. And it illustrates what I'm going to try to preach to you this morning, the power that lies in what you choose to focus on. It changed the entire atmosphere of the service. It could have been just another Sunday, another song service, but on purpose because somebody prayed about it. The theme and the the direction of every song pointed us to the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's what happened. The more you sang about Jesus, the less you thought about yourself. And the more you and I sing about Jesus, the less we thought about our problems. And the more we sing about Jesus, the less we cared about politics or whatever else is going on in the world because we got our mind stayed upon the Lord. And when our mind got focused on the Lord, our heart got stirred up about the Lord. And it caused you, whether you felt like it when you walked in or not, it caused you to shout. Whether you felt like it when you walked in or not, it caused you to say amen. You might not have thought you would ever do it, but some of you even shed tears while you sat in a pew. But here it is. It's the power of what you chose to think about for about 15 minutes. I want to show you a couple verses of Scripture, and that just led right into it. And it illustrates the truth. In 2 Corinthians chapter number 2 and verse number 1, look what it says. Paul says this, But I determined this with myself, that I would not come again to you in heaviness. Paul said, I have reason to, and I could easily come to you and be upset. I could be discouraged. And if I did that, I could destroy your life. By the way, I would react to what's going on in your church. He said, but before I'm determining, I'm thinking, taking a minute to determine, control my thoughts. So that when I come to you, I don't allow your encourager to be your discourager. So I'm taking control of my mind. In Acts chapter 26, look at the, verse, the first verse and the first phrase of the second verse. Look at what it says. Paul's a prisoner standing before Agrippa, a man who could take his life. In chains, in bondage, not at liberty. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Thou art permitted to speak for thyself. Then Paul stretched forth the hand and answered for himself. Here it is. I think myself happy. There was nothing to look at from the external that should cause him to feel that way. I think he's saying this, I am happy that I have opportunity to testify. But also he's he's saying this, I I think myself to happiness. I ponder things that keep me positive. I focus on things that keep me on top side. 
We heard it this week, and it was exciting to me because I already had the message not done but formulated in my head to to preach today. We heard it from Malachi chapter 2, and the statement's made twice. Forget the verses, 14, 15, somewhere around there. Take heed to thy spirit. He's saying you make sure that you keep yourself under control. You've got to watch what you focus on. Now, here's what I hope. I said this to the pastor the other day. I hope I'm your biggest encourager. To him, I said that. I want to be. And that, I asked him this, I said, who's your biggest discourager? And he said, Alvin Martinez. And he did not say that. But I said, who's your biggest? That would be the opposite. He's probably his biggest encourager. I said, who's your biggest discourager? And he just stared at me because he didn't want to throw anybody under the bus. And I said, let me answer for you. You are. Not you, but him. <laughs> Brother Bertrand looked at me and said, oh, really? He said, my wife says the same thing. Uh, anyway, uh, my biggest discourager is me. Your biggest discourager is you. We were singing yesterday in the car, I'm, what is it, in right, out right, up right, down right, happy all the time. Lincoln and I were singing it, and then he gets, when Jesus Christ came in and cleansed my, what does it say, soul or heart, from sin, because we always change the words to things we can't sing in church. But anyway, we were singing the song. I hope that's true, but if it's going to be true, you've got to decide for that to be true. Your spirit is so important. My spirit's so important. This place ought to be a happy place. It ought to be a joyous place. If you're happy, here's what I want to preach on this morning. If you're happy and you know it, it's because you thought it. If you're happy and you know it, it's because you thought it. I think about the hymn that said, Save, saved, saved, I'm happy on the way. What about this one? I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. I'm happy in the service of the King. Happy am I. Jesus is mine forever. I'm so happy, and here's the reason why Jesus took my burdens all away. That ought to be Christianity. The Bible, in fact, is a handbook on happiness. You can't read through your Bible, but what you find words like this, joy, rejoice, praise, encourage, delight. And many times you just find that word happy. What's the other? When Jesus shows his smiling face, there's sunshine in the soul. If you read your Bible, there's a lot of reasons why spiritual people, saved people, ought to be happy. For example, the Bible tells us that hard work ought to make a spiritual person happy. The Bible tells us that counsel... And correction ought to make a spiritual person happy. The Bible tells us that answered prayer ought to make a spiritual person happy. The Bible tells us that wisdom ought to make a spiritual person happy. The Bible says that keeping the law ought to make you and I who are saved happy. The Bible says that enduring ought to make a spiritual person happy. The Bible says that bearing reproach for Christ ought to make you and I happy. Most of all, the Bible tells us that being saved ought to make a saved person happy. To be happy is to be characterized by contentment or joy. It's to be delighted. It's to be pleased. It's to be glad. That's why the psalmist said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go unto the house of the Lord. I was studying that word happy, and one explanation for the word happy is this. A happy person is one who has been favored by good fortune. And if ever there was a definition that fit the life of a Christian, it is that. If you're saved today, you and I have been highly favored by good fortune. You don't find much happiness in this world, but I'm glad we can be happy in spite of the world. And we're blessed today, and we ought to be happy people. And this morning, here's what I want you to think with me on. If you're happy and you know it, it's because you thought it. Dr. Tom Malone is probably one of the strongest influences 
on my life. That's where I got my bachelor's degree in Bibles from Midwestern Baptist College and used to preach there in the B.R. Lakeham uh, Auditorium and things a long time ago. But a man told me, he said, here's what made Dr. Malone. He said, Dr. Malone would carry burdens as big as elephants, but you'd never know about it. He said, I remember one time when he walked in the church on crutches. He just had double knee replacement surgery. His son was dying with cancer. He was having trouble. A church split had happened. He said, a man walked up to him and began to tell him about his burdens. He asked him, how you doing? And the man began to tell him about the different aches and pains in his body, small things compared to what Dr. Malone was facing. He said, then Dr. Malone looked back at him. He said, how are you doing, Dr. Malone? And he said, I'm doing wonderful. You see, here's what he did. He didn't choose to focus on all the things that he could have focused on that would have brought him down, but he focused on the goodness of God in his life in spite of that. And he said, I am wonderful. The biggest problem I have is me. The neediest person I try to pastor is me. And the hardest part of me that I try to lead is my mind. If I can control my mind, everything else stays under control. On average, they say that a person has about 6,000 thoughts that goes through their mind every day. And the danger is that any one of those thousands of thoughts has the potential to absolutely shipwreck our life. Today, your mind is so vitally important. That's why Peter said in 1 Peter 1.13, gird up the loins of your mind. He's saying you've got to tie up the loose ends. Don't let stray thoughts fly around in there. Make sure you keep your thinking under control. In Proverbs 23 is the famous verse, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Pastor quoted it, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Romans 12, 2, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 5, bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So the Bible shows us our mind is very important. What you think, how you think, why you think, and when you think, all of that will shape your life for either success or failure. In a way, your your mind creates your reality. The way you think about things determines how you experience things. The way you think about things will determine how you put value or assess things. Here's what I mean. Things can be great on the outside, but if things aren't right inside, it looks like it's bad outside. Things can be blessed outside, but if it's bleak inside, the blessing loses its blessedness. A palace can be a prison if the inside is not right. A calm can be like a storm if the inside is not right. The abundance can seem like it's nothing if the inside is not right. Favor can feel like neglect if the inside is not right. If we don't have sunshine in our soul, then it'll never feel very sunny on the outside. That's what happened to Elijah. He lost control of his thinking. He did not think, God is using me. He did not think, I'm making a difference. He didn't think. I've seen God work in a powerful way. He thought, I'm the only one that is left. And because of that, he tried to quit and wished that he would just roll over and die. Saul was that way. Saul was king. He'd been anointed. He had the throne. But he could not think about the fact that he was on the throne. He was consumed with the thought that David had outdone him, and he lost control of his mind. You already know this. Your mind manipulates your comprehension of reality. How you think dictates how you feel. 
How you think dictates how you react, and your outlook is the product of your thinking. That's why it's hard to convince somebody who, is, uh, who, is, who thinks that they're ugly that they're pretty. You ever fell on somebody like that? Usually it's hard to convince somebody who's ugly that they're ugly, right? <laughs> That's why it's hard. On a serious note, you find somebody who is anorexic and they're super thin and the bones are sticking out of their flesh and you try to tell them, you're so thin, but they look in the mirror and all they see is somebody who is overweight. Here's what they did. They thought themselves to that reality. I'm going to apply it in just a minute, but here's what I'm saying. You can think yourself upset. You can think yourself mad. You can think yourself bitter. You can think yourself defeated. Or you can think yourself happy. Our thoughts are the seeds of our behavior. The genetic makeup, if you will, of our attitude. What you think and how you think and why you think and when you think. It's all the gateway to your heart. It is not your emotions that control your intellect. It is your intellect that control your emotions. That's why David said, my heart was hot within me while I was amusing the fire burn. He said, I thought about some things, and as I thought about these things, it began to stir my heart. I remember hearing the preacher say, the fastest way to a man's heart is through his stomach, and that might be true, but I think the fastest way to your heart is through your mind. And that's why in Philippians 4, 8, Paul said, finally, he said, most importantly, brethren, what sort of things are true, what sort of things are honest, what sort of things are just, what sort of things are pure, what sort of things are lovely, what sort of things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. And that is preceded in verse 7 by the charge to keep your heart. He said, if you're going to control your heart, you've got to govern what you think about all the day long. You don't think about ungodliness. You don't think about sin. You don't think about the negative. You think about these things that are pure and honest and just, these things that are of God. And in Christianity, it is not the outside that ought to control the inside. It ought to be the inside that dictates my outside. I can't control what happens around me, but I can have revival anytime within me in this hour of so much discontentment and dissatisfaction and depression. I'm glad we don't have to be like toy soldiers marching over the ledge into that kind of a mindset. I'm glad we can be different. We don't have to follow suit. We don't have to buy in. I'm glad we can think ourselves happy. There's a song in my heart today, something I've never had. Jesus has taken my sin away, and oh, say, but I'm glad. Some of the most fulfilling things in life can also be the most discouraging. If you're in the ministry, then you love it. And you eat it, you drink it, you sleep it, and you get mad at those who say they're in it but aren't in it. And it's the only thing I want to do. But it's also the thing that brings probably the most discouragement at the same time. Parenting's that way. Isn't that the awesomest thing in the world sometimes? <laughs> Last night I came home from men's prayer and Lincoln's wearing Christmas tree footy pajamas, a ski mask, and has a pin that says Alvin Martinez on it. And he said, I'm a secret agent. I don't even know what happened when I was at men's prayer. He said, it even has a case, Dad, and it shoots out web and silly string and all that. It doesn't, but he was pretending. It's awesome. But also being a parent can bring some of the most discouragement, in, not over your children, but over how you deal with your children. Marriage is the same way, and yourself is the same way. And what I'm saying is life is filled with many days where it would be very easy to be discouraged. There's a lot of reasons to laugh, but there's also a lot of reasons to cry. But in spite of that, have you ever noticed how it seems like some people are parentally positive? They're always on the top side. They're always joyous, and they're always happy. 
Have you ever heard anybody make the statement, well, they're just a happy person? But I want to ask you, is that really true? Is there really such a thing as a happy person? Are some people just predisposed to happiness and others are just sentenced to live every day unhappy? I want to ask you a few questions before I finish. Why are some people seemingly always happy and some people are always melancholy? How is it that two Christians, both saved by the same salvation, headed for the same heaven, reading the same Bible, indwelled by the same Holy Spirit, are so vastly different in their emotional disposition? Is it that some Christians never worry? Is it that they never have pain or anxiety? Is it that they've never been overwhelmed? Is that why? I mean, are they wired differently? Maybe it's their genetics. Is it their gender? Is it their bank account? What makes a happy Christian and a sad Christian different? Do they some have just a supersized amount of serotonin? Do they have a more powerful prescription than other people do? I mean, what is it that makes a happy Christian so happy? Why is it some folks walk around shouting and some folks want to eat worms and just drop dead? What makes a happy Christian? Is it the circumstances? they face? Is that what makes them happy? Is it the pains that they don't have to go through? Is that why they're happy? Is it their lot in life? Is that why they're always happy? Why is it? Have they never had any sadness? Have they never been insecure? Have they never stood at a loved one's grave? Have they never had to shed a tear? Have they never waited long hours in a hospital waiting room? Why are they so happy? Is it because they've never been betrayed? Is it because they've never had marriage problems? Is it because their kids are just perfect? Is it because they've never had bills stack high and the bank account run low? Why are some Christians always happy? It's because they don't have any sickness. They have no burdens. They have no enemies. They have no trouble. Everything goes their way. What makes a happy Christian? Is it because they don't battle sin? Is it because they've conquered their flesh? Is it because the devil doesn't bother them? Is it because the cares of the world are not heavy for them? Is it because they don't have any awareness of the wickedness around us every day? Why are they so happy? Is it because they have a lot of money? Is it because they're healthy? Is it because everybody loves them? Are they uninformed or ignorant, have their head in the clouds? Why are they so happy? Do they never walk the floor? Do they never bite their nails? Do they never wrestle the butterflies in their stomach? What is the difference between a Christian who is always happy and a Christian who is never happy? I think the premise is wrong from the start. It's not an unhappy or a happy Christian. It's a Christian in control and a Christian out of control. Because none of those things that I just listed are the answer. Circumstances are not the answer to happiness. Experience is not the answer to happiness. A lack of trial is not the answer to happiness. It's not anything on the outside that makes for a happy Christian because I've seen too many that have stood at a loved one's grave and yet they have the joy of the Lord. I've seen too many who have battled a disease and yet they have the joy of the Lord. I've seen too many who have been broken by this world yet they still have the joy of the Lord. I've seen too many that have had a hard road to hoe but they're still full of joy of the Lord. So what is the key? The key is this. In 2 Corinthians it's determining with yourself. It's Acts 26. It is I think myself happy. Paul's telling them I could come to you and I could come in heaviness. There's a lot of reason why I could be discouraged today. There's a lot of things that are pressing. There's a lot of pressure in the ministry. I had high hopes for you and yet the church is filled with carnality and I could come and destroy 
destroy you by letting that all out. I mean, I can be depressed. I can be down. I can be discouraged. I can be just like you are. But if I came and acted like that, I'd discourage you even greater. I'd shipwreck your life. I'd derail you and destroy you. So here's what I did. I chose not to focus on things I can't fix and things that have gone wrong. And then I'm here's what I'm, I'm going to determine. Paul, you're going to encourage that crowd today. You're going to stir that crowd up today. You're going to lift that crowd up today. And I counseled with myself to be happy. It's not because he had an easy road. It's not because he had no trouble. It's because he took control of his thinking. Acts 26 is the example. He's standing there as a prisoner before a king that could kill him. And all of a sudden, Agrippa says, Paul, I think I'm going to let you say something. You think, well, I know what Paul's going to say. Injustice. Lie. Mistreated. I want a lawyer. I've been done wrong. But I like his testimony. He said, Paul, he said, Agrippa, here's what I want to tell you from the lips of Paul. He said, I want to tell you, I think myself happy. He said, I'm happy that I get to testify, but not only that, I'm happy anyway. He said, because I've been focused on some things. I've been in a prison cell, but I'm not focused on the prison cell. I've been wrapped in chains maybe, but I'm not worried about the chains. I've been eating prison food, but I haven't contemplated the prison food. I'm telling you what I've been doing. I'm girding up the loins of my mind. I'm testifying to you that my mind is not running wild, that my heart is under control because my mind is under control. And I found out God is good in the prison cell. I am happy because I've thought myself happy. I am happy and I know it because I have thought it. Here's what he did. He said, the road I travel, I just saw Jesus on the road. The door I walk through, I see Jesus in the door. When I can't handle the situation, I see Jesus at the stern of my ship. He said, everything in life, I keep my heart anchored and my mind stayed upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 3, 2. He said, I set my affections on things above. He said, I'm taking my mind and sticking it in the heavenlies because when my brain gets up there, my heart quickly follows and it doesn't matter where I am. It doesn't matter what I'm facing. I can stay on top side. I can shelf the victory. I can have revival. I can think myself happy. Now, naturally today, the tendency for you and I is to live in unhappiness. In fact, they did a poll. I think it was NBC, so it's probably inaccurate, but it was NBC. They said that the people in America are the most unhappy that they've been in 50 years, and that's just how it is, and that's because they don't have control of their thinking. They focus on things that cannot bring happiness. They're wrapped up in things that they cannot control. And because of that, they have to have a pill to get through the day or a counselor to get through the week or a new marriage to make it another year. And they're looking for love and hope in all these wrong places. They have no happiness at all. That ought not be the Christian. I don't think, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't get it. I don't understand a Christian who is always depressed and is always down and is always negative and is always like, I think we ought to just give up. Black cloud over my head. There's no hope in the I don't understand that. You're thinking on the wrong things. Get your, get your head out of Fox News and bury it in your Bible. Get your heart off the things of this world and set it on things above. It's still good on the inside if all hell breaks loose on the outside. Here's what I mean. We get upset over what we hear and forget to be happy. You can hear in the first place. We get upset over what we see and forget to be happy that you can see. We get up, man, we get, we get upset. We get upset because somebody hurt us and forget that somebody out there loves us. We get upset because something didn't go our way 
And then forget to be happy that thank God it didn't go our way when we got saved. We get upset because of circumstances and forget to think we've been blessed beyond measure. We get upset because of things of this world and forget to be happy that our name is written down in heaven. We've lost control of our mind. We think about our friends and they become enemies because of our thoughts. We think about our church and think it needs work because we don't control our thoughts. We think about our life and then think it's unfair because we don't control our thoughts. We think about our situation and deem it hopeless because we don't control our mind. The blessings have no value because we don't control the way we think about our blessings. I looked in Paul's testimony and I'll close. What did he think about all the time? It's very obvious from what he preached. How did Paul think himself happy? Number one, he thought about his personal testimony. If you read that response, you know what it is? The first few verses, he's letting him know, now I was a Jew, and I was wrapped up in Judaism, and you know my manner of life from the beginning. But then you get down there like verse 8, verse 9, verse 10, verse 11. You know what he starts talking about? The road to Damascus. I don't know what Paul did, but I think maybe when Paul was there wrapped up in chains as he was a prisoner, he probably thought about the road to Damascus quite a bit. You know, if you want to find a joyous Christian, you'll find a Christian who hadn't gotten over the fact that they're saved. Now, I'm sorry God didn't do any more for you than that than to save you from hell forever. And we got to pump and prime you to say amen in church and smile every once in a while and shake a hand and not act like you got things wrong in your I know you're just saved. But the fact that you're saved is reason to get kind of happy about the thing. I'm glad I'll never go to hell. Hell's a real place with real fire that burns forever. Hey, don't get too stirred up about that, but you'll never, ever go there. It's amazing. We get excited over a new car that'll rust out and new clothes we grow out of and a meal that we'll be dissatisfied with in another hour or two, and yet we're saved forever and act like we're sentenced to salvation. I've not been sentenced to salvation. I was born in the family of God. I didn't deserve grace. I deserved hell. I'd be there right now with my back broke and same for you. I don't care about the Sunday tire dress. You're a sinner, but thank God for grace. Aren't you glad to be saved? You say, but you don't know what I got going on. I'm not worried about that. You're going to heaven. Your name's in the Lamb's Book of Life. Never see hell. Never taste hell. Never touch hell. Shame on us if we can't be happy that we're born again. Woo! I make a Baptist shout on Sunday morning if they're saved. But a dead church. Happy in the service of that, saved. His personal testimony. Then I think he thought about doctrine. Because if you look down in that chapter further, he begins to say what he preached. Salvation, the second coming. I think Paul contemplated his testimony, but then I think he thought about truth. You want to know why so many Christians aren't happy? You think 5% of your day probably on truth. And the rest of the day we're thinking about mistruth. And we take in so much misinformation that we're discouraged and depressed. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And His law doth He meditate day and night. You say, well, how can I be happy? You don't know what I got going on. I don't know. Think about the second coming. Think about the rapture. I don't know. Think about streets of gold and gates of pearl. I don't know. Think about adoption and justification and redemption. Think about that. Think about consecration and sanctification. I don't know. Think about the church and think about what God's done through the Bible, giving the truth. He thought about his testimony. He thought about truth. He thought about God's trustworthiness. If you look down further in this chapter, he tells us in verse 22, having therefore obtained help of God. You want to know why he stayed happy? He remembered God had come through before. So no doubt he can come through again. 
You can't tell me a time that he's not been faithful. You can't tell me one moment when God ever did you and I wrong. He's always come through and always will come through. God has never failed his children. You say, but you don't know and you don't understand. Yeah, but I know God's got it under control. You can trust him. And I think he thought about this. He thought about the fact he had a task. And that was to touch the lives of others. Because as he testified to Agrippa, Agrippa said, almost thou persuadest me. He said, I wish it wasn't almost. He said, I wish all together, not just you and everybody else. He said, I wish you'd all get saved. He said, I tell you why I can't walk around depressed. Because there's somebody else's life that needs impacted. I guarantee you nobody's ever got converted running into some depressed, discouraged, down and out Christian. I mean, could you imagine that? We're about to close. Don't, and I'm still on time, so don't get nervous about it. But could you imagine that? I mean, come to church. These guys are young. I mean, Foley boys have been in 12th grade three years now, but they're young. But uh, think about it. They got jobs now. It's a blessing for, for us who need suits and things. But anyway... Uh, could you imagine these guys here? You know what they do? They watch you during church. You know what they do on Wednesday night? They watched how you reacted to the songs that stirred their heart at camp. Wednesday night. And they might have seen how it did not stir your heart so much on Wednesday night. Everybody all right? We're, we're friends, aren't we? We were before today anyway, right? I guarantee you this. They're not going to really want to buy into this thing if we act like we don't like it. Sit there deader than a hammer. Sing songs like, I have been blessed. And act like you've never been blessed before. I just want to thank you, Lord, for all the times. When I was so down and out, you came along and made, made me want to shout and everything. And then they're sitting there, and we're trying to say, stay old-fashioned now, but why? Man, I, I don't want that. That old-fashioned stuff might metastasize. I don't, want, I don't want that in my life. Look at that thing, man. I'm depressed enough as it is. Hey, listen, you know why you need to think yourself happy? Because you're training your children not by what you preach, but how you practice. And how you react to preaching. And react to singing. And react to truth presented. Think yourself happy. You listen to the average conversation. That's what, I'm glad we don't do handshaking. That's the most depressing time in a service. You go to a church where they do handshaking, all you hear about is diseases, lawnmowers that won't start. It's not a thing about church at all for 15 minutes. And then, and then the aroma of hand sanitizer fills the auditorium. <laughs> all you hear is like, <laughs> you know, and it takes four hours to get the attention spent back. But you go around and it's just depressing. Shake people's hands. You know, I got this rash. I don't think it's contagious or anything. And they're shaking your hand while they're shaking their hand. Now, it's not COVID. <clears throat> I promise you it's not that. I know it's not. I took a test there a week ago. And... Hey, listen. Why don't you just think on these things? I don't care how bad you think you've got it. You've got it better than most. And if you're saved, you've got it real good today. If you're happy and you know it, your face should surely show it. And I tell you what it'll do. It'll affect people. If we can think ourselves happy. Bob Jones Sr. said, I can't keep birds from flying through my head. But I can keep them from building a nest in there. And you'll have thoughts come through, but you don't have to dwell on those thoughts. Think on these things. I thank myself happy. Maybe you're here today and you've been struggling with your thought life. You got to come ask God to give you victory over it. Get some good things to think about. 
Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.